Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Give it to me, I'm Welcome in. It's overtime. 106.7 The Fan on a Friday night. Hopefully you've had a good week winding it down tonight. You can hang out with us here until 10 o'clock tonight. we got plenty to talk about. We'll talk a little bit about the Nationals. Mark Zuckerman from Masson Sports is going to join us coming up at 7 o'clock. We'll talk a little bit about the Nats win projection total. We'll get into some Nationals talk, and I'll be on the radio here the next two days. So we'll get a little more into the Nationals talk tomorrow and on Sunday. But we got some big news today in regards to the Commanders and the NFL, and the salary cap number was announced. So we'll talk about that. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing for the Commanders that everybody got more money than they were expecting to have this offseason? And we'll go through and look at some of the free agents, talk about some of the draft positions and different things that they could do. What does an offseason look like? What are some moves that I would like made? We'll go through and talk through a scenario that I've conjured up of a mock offseason we could do if I were in Adam Peters' role, and also we'll look at what is a dream scenario for you this offseason? What's a nightmare scenario this offseason? So plenty to talk about with the Commanders. It's Toby Altizer with you here on Overtime. You can always call in 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You can always tweet at me as well, at Toby underscore Altizer. So we'll get into the Commanders talk coming up at about 7.30, but I want to start with this because it's kind of made its waves around social media as someone who collects jerseys, I love following what's going on with uniforms. I love seeing what different teams are wearing. I love seeing all these things. You know, it's just fun to see the designs, and I think it's really cool. And then you see what Nike, Fanatics, I don't even know who to blame at this point, has done with Major League Baseball's uniforms, and it is atrocious. It's horrible. It's all over social media. First, we'll start with the jersey. I had a tweet go viral you know, Donald's back there producing. Usually I have a tweet. I'm not the most popular guy on Twitter, Donald. So I'll tweet something out. Maybe you get a couple thousand views. Maybe you get 10, 15 likes. And I'm pretty happy with myself. Like, oh, that was a decent take then. People agreed. I had a tweet get 2.9 million views because I went to a local store. I was just looking around. I was considering buying the National Spring Training hat. And I saw the New Jersey with Josiah Gray. And I saw the old jersey with C.J. Abrams, and I just posted a picture and said, look at the comparison of these two. And it went viral because it's terrible. How crazy is that, though? Like 3 million views. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're putting up numbers over here. <laughs> you know, But uh, now, yeah, I, I can 
See, I guess maybe they people were taking it as you were trying to do a shot at compare and contrast kind of thing there. I don't know. It's just wild because I, I texted a couple friends and was like, hey, I've had a tweet go viral. I've never had this happen before. And my friend brought up an interesting point. People like to unite on things, and they are all uniting on the fact that we all hate the jerseys that Major League Baseball is producing this year. They're terrible looking. They look cheaply made. They've changed some things that make it look bad. The numbers are smaller on the back of the jersey. The font on the back of the jersey is smaller. They've curved the name a little bit more. The The logo on the, the back of the jersey used to be right there on the neckline, which made sense. It was kind of right there on the seam of the collar. Now, because of the new material, they're not sewing it up there. So they instead below, so it moves everything down. And you know the difference. You You have some jerseys in your collection. I've seen you wear some cool ones before. You know the difference between an adult jersey, like when you go to buy one, say you're coming of age, right? You're 12, 13, 14 years old, and you're like, well, maybe I can start transitioning out of buying kids' jerseys, the kids' extra large, and I can get into the the men's small or men's medium. The difference in the look of those jerseys, like the size probably isn't all that different, but the look is different because the jersey numbers and the names on the back when you get a kid's jersey are just Kind of laughably small at times. Definitely. And like you, to your point, the quality is even a lot better most times with the adult jerseys, uh, you know, stitching, you know, just the small detail things for sure. Yeah. Because you're going to pay more for the product. They're going to put a little more effort in. The new jerseys look like kids jerseys. They look so bad. And look, you know, I was reading an article in The Athletic about it and players are like, look, we'll we'll make it work. We'll go out there and play. And ultimately, it's not going to necessarily affect what happens on the field. It's not going to affect whether C.J. Abrams hits a ball off the wall or strikes out. Like, that's not going to make a difference, right? But it is kind of crazy that it seems like, of all sports, Major League Baseball always runs into these snafus. Now, I will say, basketball ran into some snafus when they changed from Adidas over to Nike. If you remember when they first switched over, LeBron's running over there with a jersey ripped right between his numbers. Like the first game he was wearing that. Dudes were ripping their jerseys all the time. And that got fixed relatively quickly. So it's not as if, you know, jerseys have changed. And I think hockey had something happen back with Reebok back in the day. I don't necessarily follow that as much. But, you know, it happens. But it seems like Major League Baseball is always in the news for the wrong reasons. And I love baseball. I'm excited that you know Grant and Danny talked about it earlier today. I'm going to be joining them on the trip down to West Palm in a couple weeks. So I'm excited to go down there for spring training. Never been down there before. But it seems like every time you get to one of these spots, it's Major League Baseball in the spotlight, in the news, and it isn't something positive. And last year, I'll give them credit because they were in the news for a lot of negative reasons for some of the changes they made to the game. No shifting the pitch clock rule, and I think largely those were accepted by the middle of the year and even the end of the year, and people liked it, even sticking around in the postseason because I thought, all right, well, maybe you get rid of the pitch clock in the postseason. Nope, stuck around in the postseason. No one really had issues with it. It was enjoyable. I didn't have to sit down for a World Series game and slot out four hours of time or more. You could watch a World Series game in a regular amount of time, so it was kind of nice in some of the aspects. So Rob Manfred did a good job there. Not here. Not here at all. And... You know, you look at it, the the material's different. It might be more comfortable. Frankly, it just looks bad. It it really does. It just looks bad. And just the various things that we're seeing from this, it's just all little stuff that needs to be fixed. You know, it's stuff that we've kind of complained about the commanders for years. 
And it's the little things, right? The little details. Like, you're taking a picture for Sean Taylor's uh, the name in the road. after It's in front of porta-potties. That's not a huge thing, right? I mean, it, it's bigger than nothing, but it's not the biggest thing ever. It's big that you did the naming. It's big that you did the ceremony and everything. It's not the biggest thing that you have a bad background for the picture, but it's the little things that constantly happen over and over and over and over and over again that really frustrate you with an organization. And it seems like this continually happens with Major League Baseball. And it seems like there's too many times where they strike out as opposed to just hitting a single or hitting a double. I don't need you to always have a home run. There are going to be changes as things go along. It's not as if uniforms have been the same since Babe Ruth wore them. Like, I'm not saying you can't change the jerseys and make lighter fabrics. And I'm sure once some of these players get out there on the field and maybe they'll like the new material, even though the names and stuff look laughably small, who knows if what's going to happen. I mean, spring training is just getting underway. You had the first game yesterday. You have some games today. The Nationals open up their spring training games tomorrow against the Astros. So who knows what's going to be the ultimate reaction but it's just so bad that every single time Major League Baseball is in the press for something like this, it's always bad. It's not something good. It's just something that always could be fixed, something that didn't have to happen. And now the other thing, too, is not just the jerseys because we focus just on the jerseys. It's the pants now. And that's just been the last couple of days. Ever since it was kind of announced in the last month or so, the jerseys have gotten all the ridicule. And the last two days, I haven't seen much about the jerseys because it's all been about the pants. You can see through them. You can see through them. You don't want to have your pants see through. I'm sorry. You don't want to. If you're a dude out there trying to play baseball, the last thing I need to worry about is you being able to see through my pants and see whatever is underneath. It's not a good look for baseball. I read an article last night from The Athletic talking about the Cincinnati Reds they don't even have enough pants of the new one to give out, so they're giving away old pants to pe- for people to wear, which, heck, they probably like them more. And it's just little things like this. I mean, we talked about this when, this was a while ago, but the NFLPA put out a ranking system and kind of a, a grading system of different teams' facilities. You remember that? Like, the, the commanders came in dead last, and people were bashing them, but we found out about various things. Like, I think the Cardinals charge if you're going to eat food in their cat. Jaguars had, like, cockroaches in their uh, laundry room and stuff. Like, different things that you just find out that you don't get a part of. It's not necessarily the huge stuff, right? It's They can still get it done. There's still showers that work. There's still places to... The, they're going to wash your clothes. There's still places to eat. Like, it's nothing that is horrible, But when you think about these people, think about Dylan Cruz, and he's coming from LSU. Think about, you know, going back to football, John Allen and Deron Payne. They're coming from Alabama where everything is catered to them. It's not as if it's horrible, but when you come from five-star and you go to three-star or two-star or hopefully not one-star, it's bad. And so when you go from Major League Baseball where it's not like everything was perfect before, but their ability to say, we're going to tailor everything to you. Because one thing that they're complaining about now is you can't change the uniforms to your exact specifications. Like you watch Walker Bueller for the Dodgers step up on the mound. That dude has the tightest pants possible. I don't know that he can do that with the new uniforms because they're not allowed to kind of tailor these things. And I don't, I don't understand sometimes why they change these things that 
don't need to be changed. Ultimately, again, it's not going to affect the on-field stuff. You can look at it as, oh, they're being little crybabies and they're spoiled already. They're making millions of dollars and they're complaining because their thigh, the pant thigh isn't tight enough around. Like, I get it. I get it. It's little stuff. But it's these guys' jobs. It's what they do. And so they like to have the stuff to their specifications. How would you like it if you walked into your job and just little things were tweaked? Your pair of scissors that's been at your desk for five years now that you love, that you're you're so accustomed to, is swapped out for another pair. Not a big deal. It doesn't make that big of a difference. You can still do the job, but you're just taken out of your comfort zone a little bit. The one thing I hate that you have to do with the company here all the time is change your stupid password. You have to change your stupid password, it seems like, every 10 days. I always forget it. Just little things like that. There's nothing wrong with it. Absolutely nothing wrong. It doesn't change the way I do my job. I don't talk on the radio works because I had to change my password. It's the same thing with the baseball players. It's not as if they're going to suddenly lose their ability to play the game, but when you've gotten used to being tailored, having your pants perfectly tailored to you, having everything done exactly how you want, and then all of a sudden, everything changes one year, and it goes so poorly where you can see through the pants. They're not tailored how you want them. There's not even enough of the pants so that everyone can have the new pairs. Your jersey doesn't fit exactly how you want it to. And then you look at it and you say, man, these names on the back are just so stupidly small. Again, it's little things, but it's got to be fixed. It has to be fixed. It's just, it's comical, honestly, that every single time one of these things pops up, you could guess the sport. And it's always going to be Major League Baseball. They always seem to find a way to mess these things up. And it's unfortunate because I love baseball, but they've got to find a way to get this fixed. And that's not even getting into what, I've, what I'm worried about as a consumer. I don't play professional baseball, but I want to buy a jersey. I want to go watch C.J. Abrams this year, and I want to wear a number five Abrams jersey. And I go to the store, and I look at last year's jersey, and I'd pay the 135 bucks for it. That's fine. I understand a jersey's not going to be cheap. I understand it's maybe not going to be the most breathable material. I understand it's not going to be the most comfortable thing I've ever worn. That's fine. I'm willing to pay the money for it. Now you're asking me to pay 40 extra dollars for a jersey that doesn't look as good. I, I, it probably is more comfortable, but you're asking me to pay 40 more bucks for this? It's just a bad look for the for Major League Baseball. And even looking, I saw a, a Giants fan tweet this out, and I thought it was kind of funny. They had tweeted out, let me see if I can find it here. They had tweeted out that on, I believe it was Fanatics, Fanatics, they were selling four different jerseys for the San Francisco Giants. And I'm sure, you know, some of these things you don't necessarily aren't up to date with because spring training's just getting underway and you maybe aren't as up with what's happening. But they're selling four jerseys. Jock Peterson, Mitch Haniger, Joey Bart, and Logan Webb. Only one of those dudes this year is going to make meaningful contributions for the San Francisco Giants. And that's Logan Webb. Joey Bart might not be on the roster very long. He's not been great. And the other two dudes don't even play for the San Francisco Giants anymore. (laughs) It's just that kind of stuff can't happen. And and this is why, thankfully, we're coming out of this era with the commanders where it seemed like every little thing that could go wrong, every single little thing that they could do wrong, they did. You can't spell a guy's name right when it's going up on the Jumbotron. Like little things like that. It's just frustrating when it happens time and time again. And we're seeing it with baseball now time and time and time again where they just can't get it right. They just can't get it right. 
And, you know, hopefully they get this all fixed. Hopefully this is something that down the line we're not worried about. Hopefully this is something that as we get further into the season we're not even thinking about. We'll get used to it. We'll move past it. But when you're already asking a consumer to pay a lot of money, $130 plus for a jersey, it doesn't have to be the best, but it needs to look good. It needs to be what the person wants to buy. And now you're asking 40 more bucks for a jersey that looks worse. I don't know. It just does not seem like a good business model, and they're going to have to fix this. It really needs to be fixed, and the problem is it's not just the consumers that have issues. It's the players, and ultimately that's what matters. It's up to the players. If they can't buy the jerseys, then they don't like them. I think Trey Turner was quoted as saying, we all hate the jerseys. So hopefully it gets fixed. It's something that really needs to be done. All right, we're going to take a break, and we come back coming up at 7 o'clock. Our guy from Masson Sports, Mark Zuckerman, is going to join the program. We'll get his thoughts on the Nationals from down in West Palm Beach. Keep it tuned right here to Overtime, 106.7 The Fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. Overtime 106.7, the fan. Continuing Nationals talk. We're going to get out to the BetQL guest hotline. Bringing our guest from Masson Sports, Mark Zuckerman. Mark, how's it going? How's it down there in West Palm? Uh, you know, Toby, it's it's kind of nice to be down here in Florida. The weather's been beautiful, and tomorrow we get a ball game for the first time in 2024. The first of many, unfortunately, exhibition games for we all head north, but it's at least something to kind of whet our appetites for what's coming up this season. Yeah, pretty excited because uh, Grant and Danny's show and me are going to get down there and check it out uh, beginning of March. So we're excited to get down there at West Palm. We, we were just talking about the jerseys. I'm just curious. I haven't seen uh, any of the Nationals beat reporters tweet about it. I've seen it from plenty of people around Major League Baseball. Have there been complaints from Nationals players or anything with the new uniforms? I think I've I've heard less than, you know, from other camps. Yeah. Um, you know, a few guys have kind of noticed how they, they do look different. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, seeing them up close, uh, they definitely do look different. It's um, uh, almost, it almost looks like a replica, like a cheaper version of replica of the real stuff. But, you know, I also try to remind myself, like, so far, all we've seen are the spring training uh, and, and batting practice jerseys. So I kind of want to see once they get the real thing, 
um, that they're wearing, you know, in, in regular season games, what that, you know, all ultimately looks like. Um, I know there are complaints about, you know, the pants and stuff. I, I, I think there's enough out there at this point that MLB and Nike and fanatics are going to have to try to make some corrections and whether they'll be ready by opening day or not. I don't know, but this feels like one of those classic like spring training controversy stories that everybody gets all upset about. And you'll probably notice it at first when you start watching them. And then after a few days, everyone will forget all about it again. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's kind of like the pitch clock last year. We were talking about how Major League Baseball last year was catching flack for some of the changes they made. And all of a sudden, middle of the year, end of the year, people weren't complaining about it. So I don't think it's going to be a huge issue. I think they'll find a way to fix it, but it is something that's a little bit jarring. I don't necessarily want to spend the whole time talking about unis, Mark, so <laughs> let's talk about this team. You know, the, the guys all reported this past week. You've had pitchers and catchers down there for a little bit longer. What's been the vibe around the team? I think it's been pretty optimistic. Now, you know, of course, every team feels optimistic in spring training. I've, I've yet to walk into a clubhouse in, in mid-February with a bunch of guys just dreading uh, the upcoming season, but it's a little different than the last two years, I think. And I think the difference is the guys who are returning from last year know they took a big step last season. Now, they know it's not enough yet. They've got to do a lot more. But they know they have a young core starting to come together that they think should improve. And then when you add to that now, this whole row, and they've got all the lockers together in a row, I'm sure that was on purpose. When you've got now the, the truly top prospects who are in big league camp for the first time, Dylan Cruz, James Wood, Brady House, Robert Hassel. Um, and it, it brings a different energy. And it shows the guys who are in there that, okay, there is some hope here at the end of the tunnel. It's been a rough couple of years since they tore it all down, since the big trades. And maybe they're not quite there yet. And, you know, I think everybody knows these guys still need more time in the minor leagues before they're called up. But you can see the light at the end of that tunnel. And I think for the first time in a while, there's some legitimate hope in there about uh, getting back to being the kind of winning team that they used to be for so long. Talking with Mark Zuckerman here from Masson on overtime on the fan. You mentioned those top prospects. What's kind of been the dynamic with those guys? Are they all hanging out together? Or are they kind of picking the brains of some of the more veteran players? Like what's, what's it been like seeing those guys interact with some of the veteran players on the team? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, they are they truly are doing everything together. They're lumped in the same hitting groups. You know, they all walk from one field to the other together. They work on defense together. Uh, again, I'm sure it's all by design. Remember, most of them ended last season together at AA in Harrisburg. And, you know, we'll see when the rosters come out how it all lines up to start this year. But I think in their perfect world, they want them coming up through this whole thing together and then eventually all playing together together. Um, in D.C. But yeah, the older guys are taking them under their wings. I found it really interesting. Ryan Zimmerman has been here the last few days, and he spoke to a bunch of us today about a lot of topics, but he was especially interested in talking about these young guys, and you can tell that he is making a point to get to know them and start to impart some, some of his wisdom on them about how to establish good routines as a ball player that they can use in the minor leagues that will now have them ready when they reach the big leagues. And so, um, I, you know, they all have said they've, they've really enjoyed this. They're getting a lot out of the experience. Um, you know, I, I'm everyone's curious to see what they look like when the games start. You, you learn a lot more about them in those situations than in batting practice or defensive drills. Um, but it, it's exciting to see. And I, I think, like I said, it, it does give you this glimpse of 
where they could be in the not too distant future. Yeah, and speaking of the not too distant future, what what is a timeline for these guys? Like I saw that Dylan Cruz, you know, when he first came up and came to camp, he basically said, "I feel like I belong here," and that's a great answer to hear. How long is it that they need to see him in the minor leagues? What do they need to see before he gets called up? Same thing with the James Wood and you know eventually a Brady House. Like, what is a timeline for these guys to be at Nationals Park? Yeah, you know, I think what Mike Rizzo will always say, and, and it's cliched, but I think it is true, is that the players will let you know when they're ready. You, you'll see it in their performance, and not just that, but in the way they, they carry themselves, the way they handle their business on a day-to-day basis. Now, I think deep down they would all agree that they're not there yet. Um, you know, in, in Dylan Cruz's case, you've got to remember, he was just drafted last summer, mm-hmm. started out in, uh, you know, low A, ends up, jumping up two levels and gets to double A by the end of the season. And he struggled a little bit at Harrisburg, which is not to be on to, you know, I don't think you should be surprised by that. Um, but you want them to have success at each other. You don't just want to promote a guy because you say, Oh, well, he it's the next year. So it's the next logical step. You want to see him have success and then you move them up and then you kind of let it go from there. I think uh, a, a, a realistic idea, and it doesn't mean it's going to have to happen this way. But I think a lot of people feel like Wood and Cruz, perhaps sometime in the middle of the summer, I'm talking July, maybe August, Brady House is younger than them, less experienced. He came out of high school. Uh, he did finish at A as well, but that was a pretty big leap for him. He's maybe a, a step behind, and so maybe he's a September call-up, um, if not even waiting until next year. But in their perfect world, these guys do really well now, whether it's A or A. And you start to see them in the second half of the season. And then by the end of the season, you start to have a real sense of what this team is going to look like in the future. And the idea is get them some experience if you can now, uh, because next year I think there's going to be a different expectation level for what this team can be. Talking with Mark Zuckerman from Masson here on The Fan. So let's transition more into the big league club guys that have spent time there I think this is an interesting situation that's been developing really over the last couple of months and back into September is Steven Strasburg. Can you give us an update on what this is about and are they expecting him to show up to spring training and what's going on with Steven Strasburg and the Nats? Yeah, well, he, he's not here, you know, <laughs> still. Yeah. Uh, his locker has remained untouched, I think, from last year. It looks the exact same, everything hanging in there nicely. Um, look, for those who, who don't know or haven't been following the whole saga, um, he tried to give it another go last year uh, from the thoracic outlet surgery. It didn't happen. He never even made the spring training. Um, over the course of the summer, he came to the conclusion that he's no longer physically able to pitch anymore. And, and he and the Nationals discussed that. They all seemed to agree on it. The doctors agreed on that. And they started to make plans for a retirement announcement. And then in between the the time that they um, – you know, decided to do this, and but before they could actually hold that announcement, uh, something changed. My understanding is that at least some portion of the ownership with the Nationals, not necessarily the entire group, but some portion of it, questioned whether uh, he should still be receiving the remaining $100 million that he's owed over the next three years, seeing as how he's not pitching for them, not performing for them, and raised that concern. And so that put a halt to everything. Uh, they've kind of been going back and forth since. And because of that, he's still on the 40-man roster, and they're required to have him on that during the offseason. Um, it's a messy situation. You, you had Mike Rizzo say, well, tomorrow the 28th is actually the you know, mandatory report date for all players 
across the big leagues. Uh, he said, well, we expect to see him here. I have not heard anybody say they actually do expect to see him here. I don't expect to see him here. The question is then what happens after that? I, I suppose if you're the Nationals, you can try to um, discipline him in some way if you want to go down that path. I'm not sure how successful that's going to be. I don't even think that's necessarily what they're going to do. I, I feel like we're just going to kind of be stuck in the same limbo again, and he's going to just take up a roster spot for a while longer. Um, but he's certainly not trying to pitch anymore. And I would be very surprised if we see him down here at spring training. Well, what's a logical way for this thing to end? Because this is a franchise legend, a guy that won a World Series MVP for this team. And I think a lot of people still like him as a pitcher. And it seemed like it's gotten messy, whether you know people are on Strauss's side or people are on the Nats' side, whatever the case may be. It's something that you wish it could just be over with and you can have the jersey retirement ceremony and all the stuff that comes along with the retirement and remembering what a great career he's had. But it, it's just gotten messy. How can they find a way to to fix this so that it's over soon? They have the 40-man roster spot, but so that everything can just be fixed and everyone's back to, you know, warm and fuzzies. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I think what both sides in this equation have to remember is that these are people that you've known and worked with for a long time, and you've both enriched each other's lives through baseball. You know, Strasburg is a huge reason why this franchise became what it became and how it won a World Series. And, you know, the Lerner family is a huge reason that Strasburg has had the success that he's had, certainly financially. And so I think when you start allowing all the outside people, agents and other people in ownership to get in the way of that, you lose sight of what's, you know, really the situation. Now, I don't know if it's possible, but I would think if there's some way for just Mark Lerner and Steven Strasburg to get together, that they could find something. I know Strasburg feels bad about all of this. He, you know, he, he never wanted this contract to turn out so poorly. He wanted to keep pitching for them for years to come. Um, but he also knows that baseball contracts are guaranteed. And you sign that and you're not physically able to perform anymore. It's not like he wasn't trying to get to that point. The man spent years trying to rehab to get back. Uh, so you can understand why, like, from a purely legal standpoint, he wants – and, and, and has earned the money that is, is still owed to him. But um, maybe there's a way to, to, to defer it somewhat um, so it's not all coming at once. But I, the shame of all this is, look, he deserves to be uh, remembered and have his day in, in the sun, Jersey retirement, everything with that. And beyond that, you know, what Mike Rizzo talked about is that they don't want him down here because they think he's going to pitch again. Yeah. They want him down here to work with these young players the same way that Ryan Zimmerman and I think if you're Steven Strasburg, you can't do that right now because it just opens the door to like, well, what's actually the situation here? Until you have closure on that part of it, I don't see how you move on. The other thing, you know, late April, the Nats are holding a five-year anniversary celebration for the World Series when they play the Astros. And I'm told there's a lot of former players from the team coming back for what's going to be a great weekend. Well, I don't know how Steven Strasburg can be there and be a part of it when there's such a bad uh, relationship now between him and again, this is between him and ownership. This has nothing to do with the baseball side of it, but if he shows up, he's going to be the center of attention. We're all going to want to talk to him. And he's not going to have an answer for us as far as what's going on. So, I mean, th that's the, the shame of all this is that you want there to be closure. You want him to be celebrated and you want him to move on with his life, both at home with his family, but also to be able to still be connected to the nationals in some way, because he's such a huge part of the organization.
Yeah, it really is a shame. I mean, if you're having that weekend and you don't have the World Series MVP there, it's not as if they can't still go on with the celebration, but a big piece is missing. So hopefully they can get things figured out so he can appear and we can just get back and forget this, what, six-month saga or whatever it's been. One last question on the Big League Club because I think this is interesting. Luis Garcia got sent down last year. It wasn't necessarily a performance issue from my understanding from what we heard from Rizzo and more so of his work ethic or whatever the case may be, what they were questioning. What are they looking for from him this spring training? Because that position seems like it's not open. He's kind of penciled in there, but if he doesn't show exactly what they want, they could go in a different direction at second base. Yeah, well, you know, you're right that he was sent down in part because they want him to really work on his game prep and and everything with that. But let's also be clear, he wasn't hitting at the time as well and struggling in the field. Uh, you know, if he was hitting 300 but, it, you know, had some work ethic issues, they might have stuck with it. But the combination of those two... Sure send him down. Now, when he came back up, uh, he didn't do much better. And, and I think they were pleased with uh, the job that he did down the stretch. So let's see now. Um, you're right. There's not really a serious head-to-head competition with anyone else for that job. But I wouldn't say it's 100% secure in terms of long-term um, stability. So they do need to see from him, um, you know, an ability to cut down on his swings, somewhat uh, to make good contact, not just any kind of contact, which he does a lot for him to be consistent in the field, make all the plays, the great ones and the routine ones to be fully engaged in all that. He looks in great shape. I think he knows that he's got this opportunity, but there's only so many of them. And eventually one of these prospects could be ready to, to push him at that spot. So it's a big year for him. Um, but I, you know, I don't think they're giving up on him by any means. No. He's still very young. And you hope that the message was uh, sent and received last summer when they sent him down, and then now he's ready to take the next step. Mark, appreciate the time, man. Enjoy West Palm and enjoy some baseball tomorrow. All right. Thank you, Toby. Hey, you heard from Mark Zuckerman with Masson. He joined us on the BetQL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. And speaking of win totals, we'll talk about ESPN's projections for the Nationals' win total coming up next here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. 
You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back. Overtime on the fan. We'll talk about the Nationals for about another 10, 15 minutes, then we'll get into some commanders talk. We'll talk about the NFL salary cap coming up in the next segment. But right now we're talking about the Washington Nationals. And last year they finished 71 and 91. And we're looking at ESPN for what their projection is for their win totals, which I think is a little bit low. They rank 29th of all 30 teams. The only team below them would be the Colorado Rockies with a projection of 57 wins. The Nationals are projected to win 59 games. And I'm interested in that because they've had some changes, but it's not large changes. I mean, Cabert Ruiz is still going to be behind the plate. You've still got Corbin in the rotation. You've still got Gore. You've still got Gray, hopefully improving both Gore and Gray. Abrams at shortstop. Lane Thomas in right field. Maybe they think he comes back down to what he's been throughout his career. I, I don't know. But last year, this team was 71-91. and 91. And last year, this team in the second half was actually pretty good, honestly. In the first half, they were 36-54, and 54, so maybe more of what you expected. In the second half of the year, they were 35-37. and 37 a team that was just two games under 500 and was playing much better baseball. In the month of August last year, they were 17-11. and 11. So I don't know if I think that 59 wins is appropriate for where they're at, but that's kind of where they were projected to be at last year, and a lot of people think that they overachieved. I think the win total last year was somewhere around 63.5, somewhere around there. It'd probably be somewhere around there again this year. They're going to have to build off last year. I think last year you saw this team improve in a lot of ways. I think you saw them find a way to drive runners in. I think that the bullpen improved as the year went on because at points it was just horrible. I think that you saw improvement, but the next thing is you've got to be able to do it for all 162. You might have a hot stretch for a month like they did 17-11 and 11 in August, but then they followed it with a 8-18 and 18 September. And we can look and maybe they have more difficult competition, whatever the case may be. But I think that this team has what it takes to probably replicate what they did last year, maybe take a next step forward. But I think that what they do this year is going to be a big indicator on what happens next offseason. And I think I'm going to spend more time on this tomorrow talking about the ownership situation and my thoughts on it. But they didn't spend a whole lot this offseason. I know that irked a lot of fans, and understandably so. But I think that what happens this year is going to dictate whether next year they really open up the checkbooks or not. And I think they should. I think they absolutely should. Patrick Corbin's going to come off the books after this season. But they've got an opportunity this year to kind of build off of it. Having a guy like a C.J. Abrams build off what he did after he was moved up into the leadoff spot. Can he do that? Can he take that next step? Can he be more consistent? And a big part of this, too, defensively, he made some awesome plays. But he had a lot of errors. He doesn't have Dominic Smith over at first base anymore. It's going to be Joey Manessis. It's going to be Joey Gallo. Those guys aren't great at first base. Not nearly as good a glove, I think, as as what you saw out of Dominic Smith. So what is he going to be able to improve? He's going to have to improve his arm. He's going to have to be more accurate. He's going to have to be able to throw people out. So I'm interested to see what CJ can do. Can Gore take that next step as a pitcher? Can Gray do the same thing? Can Caber Ruiz continue to grow off what he did last year? If all those go dudes can continue to go forward 
and get better each and every day, then yeah, I think this team can sail past this 59 wins. And I think even if they kind of do what they did last year, they'll sail past the 59 wins. But if this team wants to take that next step towards being a contender and getting back to where they were in 2019, then they're going to need to improve on what they did last year. And just taking that minor step, I think, is a big thing. Last year was a big step. But a big step from being atrocious to being respectable, (laughs) I mean, that's a lot easier than going from respectable to becoming a good baseball team. That's a difficult step to take. And a lot of these young guys are going to have to take that next step where they're no longer just, okay, he's got potential. He, he, you see it in there. Now it's going to be about becoming guys that you say, oh, he's the dude. Oh, he can do it every single day. And I don't know that you can necessarily say that about many of the players on the Nationals right now. So they're going to have the opportunity to do that. Lane Thomas, can he replicate what he did last year? So I think there's a lot of stuff for this team to get going. And I think this is why you think this team can grow. And that's not even hitting on the fact of what we started talking with Mark about, and that was the prospects that are at big league camp. Dylan Cruz, Brady House, James Wood, Trey Lipscomb, Robert Hassel, any of these guys, can they come up and help the big league club out, especially the Dylan Cruz and James Wood of the world? They're top 20 prospects in Major League Baseball. If they come up, they're expected to make a big impact for the team. They're supposed to be the cornerstone players of the franchise going forward. So if they can come up and make an impact on this team, I think you can see that this team is headed in the right direction, but there's still a lot of variables where if things don't go correctly, guys don't play up to their standard, guys don't take that next step, it can go sideways. I think it's headed the right direction. It's not always going to be linear. It's not always going to be something where in four years this team is hoisting another World Series trophy, but... I think it's going the right way, but you have to continue to build off what you did last year. Last year was a huge step, but 71 wins isn't a great season. (laughs) That's still 20 games under 500. That's not a time to get complacent. This team really still needs to improve, and I think they got the opportunity to do it this year. 800-636-1067. You want to hop in on the MGM National Harbor listener lines? Let's get out to Chris in Damascus. Chris, what's going on? You're on the fan. Hello, Toby. How you doing? Doing great, Chris. How about you? I appreciate. I'm good. I appreciate the talk about Strasburg. I hope to like you. Yeah, got to keep him and somehow smooth all that over because he's. Um, um, okay, so Stone Garrett's one question. Anybody else besides Gallo and um, uh, Manessis at first stop? Just options. I understand. We'll start there and all. It seems we have a good de- good deal of outfield prospects to look at um, with Wood and. Um, Cruz and Hassel and Lane and Stone. Uh, can, we can't forget that Stone, man, when he started hitting, yeah. finally hitting the breaking ball, that and Joey batting in front of him started to hit last year, and I think they went 17 and 11 in August, um, and then he got hurt. Um, of course, pitching's the main thing, and then so if you could tell me that, and was there another fellow they got uh, to play third? Um, Nick Senzel. Okay, him. I don't know anything about, and and another guy they got Winker. Yeah, they signed Jesse Winker. Maybe he could play okay. some first base over there. He signed to a minor league deal. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he ends uh, up on the big league club. 
Okay. Anything you can tell me about those prospects, I appreciate it. And um, like the Nats talk, and hope there's more of it. And hopefully there's a, a once-a-week show sometimes on a Saturday or something that you got coming up. But well, anyway, I'll be I, looking I, for the game on Sunday. I, I think it is. Absolutely. I tell you what, Chris, appreciate the phone call. And make sure you tune in Sunday night, 7 o'clock. you got Nats Spring Training Live with Charlie and Dave down there in West Palm. So there's your weekly installment during spring training. And I'm sure once the season gets up and going, G&D will talk a lot more baseball and We'll have Bustin' Loose Baseball out if you want to check out podcast. Grant Paulson and I talking about the Nationals. I want to double-check that on Jesse Winker. I'm not 100% sure if he's played first base. I think he has. I know he definitely has played in the outfield. But either way, first base is going to be interesting to see what exactly they do there. You know, you're going to have Manessas play a little more in the field. Frankly, last year when he played in the field, it wasn't great. So I'm not exactly thrilled to see him back out there, and it does not look like Jesse Winker has played first base, so sorry about that, but either way, I think they've got two first basemen that can play there in Joey Gallo and Manessis. Winker gives you some power from the left side. I think that's kind of what they're searching out. They want someone that can hit for power because this team doesn't have a whole lot of it. So I, I think you look at the prospects though, like he was mentioning, I don't know when they'll come up. You know, you get different answers from different people. Dylan Cruz, who knows when he's going to get to the big leagues. This is the guy that was the number two overall pick last year. A lot to be excited about. Number seven overall prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. A lot to be excited about with him. I would expect sometime July, August time frame, maybe a little bit earlier into June, he can come up to the big leagues. But I think that's what's so exciting about this season. Obviously, you want to see the big league club take the next step and build off that 71-win year last year that was kind of a step forward for them. You'd love to see that. But the other exciting part about this is you're not just going to only watch for C.J. Abrams and Gore and Gray and Ruiz, kind of like you did last year. Those were kind of the four guys that you would check the box score and see how they did the night before. Now you're going to have to check and see what's going on with Dylan Cruz, and he might make a debut. I think that's what's so exciting. You know, you get to the summertime, and you buy a ticket to go watch a Nats game over a weekend. You might get to see a debut. You might get to see one of these guys come up, and Another thing that's cool that the Nationals are doing this year, March 26th, I believe, is the date over at Nats Park. Usually they hold an exhibition game before opening day. Usually it's been against teams from the AL East. Maybe it's the Yankees like last year, whoever it may be. This year they're not doing that. This year they're doing an intra-squad game, basically, where it's going to be the prospects versus the pros. It's their own kind of futures game, and I'm excited about that. I think that's a really good idea for them because I think they realize that a lot of the excitement for this team isn't necessarily with the guys that are currently on the ball club outside of those four that I mentioned earlier. It's a lot of the guys in the minor leagues. People know Dylan Cruz, not just because you know he's a good prospect. This was the number two overall pick. This team is someone that was carried to a World Series by a guy who was the number one overall pick, the face of baseball when he was drafted, Steven Strasburg. And he came up and had an electric debut, those sorts of things. So I think people are excited to have some top-tier talent like that again. We'll see if he can get to that level. But having guys that are of that sort of a caliber again, I think is big for this ball club because they don't have anybody currently like that. So we'll we'll see exactly what happens there. But I think there's a lot to be excited about for this national season. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into everything tomorrow. I'm going to talk a little bit more about what I want to see out of them, and we'll do all that coming up at noon tomorrow. So make sure you tune in to Overtime on the Fan. But we got some big news today. Earlier today about the National Football League, about the salary cap, it is much higher than people were projecting. So what does that mean for Washington? We'll talk about that next here on The Fan.
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Overtime 106.7 The Fan. Earlier today, we learned some news about the NFL salary cap that I think, I don't know if it's good news or bad news for Washington. Let's talk about it. Toby Altizer with you here until 10 o'clock. Feel free to chime in on Twitter at Toby underscore Altizer or on the MGM National Harbor listener lines at 800-636-1067. At 8 o'clock, I'll give you a little bit of a mock offseason if I were put into Adam Peters' position, some names I would look at in free agency, what I would do in the draft. I went through and did a couple rounds on a Pro Football Focus's mock draft. So we'll go through and kind of look through what an offseason could look like. What do you expect? What do you want in an offseason? Feel free to call in with that as well. But the news we learned today about the NFL salary cap is that it is up by $30.6 million. That's the biggest increase we've seen $255.4 million is the salary cap. It was projected to be around 240. That's where people were talking. Some were even saying maybe 245. But 255.4 is much larger than people were expecting for a myriad of reasons. But is that good news or bad news for Washington? You know, going into it, they were expected to have around 75 million in cap space. Now, since it's much higher, they actually have $87 million of cap space, according to OverTheCap.com, $75 million in effective cap, which is taking that overall cap number and subtracting what the dead cap is on them for this coming season. So $75 million to play with. Obviously, an enticing thing and part of the reason that Adam Peters chose this job over other jobs that might have had more talent on the roster at times or Whatever the case may be, but coming in here with a second overall pick, two second round picks pretty early on, and having $75 million in cap space, I think was really enticing for Adam Peters, and that's what I think Josh Harris and the guys really sold him on, and I think that's why he sought this job out. You know, he, he really talked about how he, he didn't go through other interviews. He didn't go through other avenues to see about finding another team. He just wanted to be in Washington which is still a reassuring feeling if you're a a Commanders fan. But is that a good thing or a bad thing for Washington? Because initially you think, obviously, it's good. The more money you have to spend, that's awesome. But this applies for the entire league. Like, if you look around the National Football League, teams that were going to be on the brink of having to cut some guys or maybe weren't going to be able to re-sign their guys or were going to have to penny-pinch a little bit, Maybe they have a little more freedom now that they have about $10, $15 million extra in cap room that they weren't necessarily expecting. And also, too, what this shows me is this idea that people like to bring up when they talk about the cap, and you hear both sides. There's the one side that says, oh, the cap isn't real, and then you hear the other side like, you can't just keep kicking the can down the road. At some time, you have to pay the piper. Well... When the salary cap jumps by $30 million, when do you have to pay the piper? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like These teams that have constantly kicked the can down the road and said, we'll restructure this, we'll do this, we'll add voyage years, we'll do this. 
And everyone says, well, at some point they're going to have to pay. Do they? Do they really? So I'm interested to see the kind of philosophy now that Adam Peters has. Let's just assume he's able to build a winner here in the next couple of years. Let's say he drafts really well and you have Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jaden Daniels, whoever the quarterback is, and they turn into a stud and you're signing them to a big contract and you want to find a way to keep a really good receiver and a good edge rusher, whatever the case may be. I'm interested what his philosophy is going to be with handling the cap. That's something we haven't really talked about. Is he going to be the guy that's really aggressive? The guys like you see with the New Orleans Saints where every single year you see them and it looks like, how in the world are they going to get under the cap? And every year they do. <laughs> every, every single year they do. It seems like every year it gets bigger, the number that they're over the cap going into the offseason, yet every single year they're ready to roll. And they haven't been good the last couple of seasons, but I've always thought they've had a pretty good roster. It seemed like they were pretty aggressive and willing to spend. Kansas City's kind of done the same thing to an extent until they've had to rework some things, and now they're built a little bit more through the draft. But a couple of years ago, it was the same thing with them. Restructure this guy. I don't know how they're doing it. Everybody's like, Brett Veach is a wizard because I don't know how in the world they're doing this. I'm interested to see if Adam Peters does that because, honestly, I want a GM that's going to honestly exploit the rules. Find a way to work through all these things. If you're going to say at some point you have to pay the piper, what about the teams that have restructured or moved everything down and they're supposed to pay the piper now and they've got $30 million more than they expected or they've got $15 million more than they were even planning for? I'm interested to see because business is booming in the National Football League. I'm not saying that next year it's going to be another $30 million increase. Who knows what actually happens? But business is booming. Being aggressive. And that's something that the commanders can do this offseason. But again, I'm interested, is this good or is this bad for the commander? Having the extra money for yourself is awesome because now you can pay more players or you can pay the players you want more. You can maybe go shop shopping on the top shelf as opposed to shopping on the bottom shelf or the middle shelf. That's great, but everybody else has a little bit more money too. And to me, the thing that I'm worried about isn't other teams getting in the bidding and being able to sign other free agents. That doesn't worry me. Because if it's something where you were going to pay a guy $14 million or something of that number and now you just have to pay him 16 or 17 that's fine. Whatever, right? That's not a big deal. The thing that worries me now is does some of the free agent pool get a little bit watered down because T. Higgins... I don't know that he was going to hit the free market, but if you're the Bengals now with all that extra money that you didn't expect, T. Higgins is coming back. Whether it's franchise tag, whether it's signing him to a long-term deal, T. Higgins is back. You look at corner, Legereus Sneed with the Chiefs. I just got an extra $10, $15 million I wasn't expecting in cap room. I'm going to try and find a way to get Legereus Sneed back because that's a, that's a nice thank you from the NFL for an, a big increase in salary cap. So it's not necessarily that I'm worried that, say, you get into a bidding war over Bryce Huff, is someone we'll talk about here and just coming up in just a couple of minutes. It's not that I'm worried that you're going to get into a bidding war for Bryce Huff. It's that I'm worried the Bryce Huffs of the world aren't even going to hit the market. And maybe that turns into a bidding war now that there's fewer of the position. Maybe it turns into a bidding war not for the Bryce Huffs of the world, not for the Josh Allens or the Brian Burns, but now there's multiple teams that want the A.J. Epinesas or the other lower-tier guys that maybe you would have been able to get for cheaper. That's kind of where I'm at. 
I'm more worried about the guys never actually hitting the market than I am the other stuff. But again, I don't know how much this is going to affect it. It's something we learned today. So I think general managers and those guys went to work today and they'll be working throughout the weekend and going into the combine. They'll be obviously doing some draft prep, but they're figuring out exactly what they're going to do. You know, the Dolphins were making some moves today, cutting Emmanuel Ogba, cutting Xavier Howard. By the way, Xavier Howard, don't need them to spend money on him. <laughs> if I'm Xavier Howard, I'm taking a 4 or $5 million contract and going to play for Kansas City or going to play for Buffalo or going to play for some contender and hang out for a year or two and then call it quits. I'm not, I'm not signing with Washington. That would be wild if they're going to just overpay for him. So just go ahead and take that off your radar. He's not the same guy. But I'm interested. What do you guys think about the salary cap? 800-636-1067. Is it good? Is it bad for Washington? And what do you want to see them do? Give us a call on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. Again, 800-636-1067. You can also tweet at me at Toby underscore Altizer. Coming up at 8, at 8 o'clock, I'll give you my mock offseason. If I were sitting in Adam Peters' chair, you keep it tuned right here to Overtime on the Fan. NFL salary cap was announced today, $255.4 million. It's a $30.6 million increase over last year. Toby Altizer here with you on the fan. Feel free to call in 800-636-1067. On the MGM National Harbor listener lines, you can also tweet at me at Toby underscore Altizer. What do you want to see them do with that cap space? And does it hurt them that everybody has this extra cap space or does it help them? Again, 800-636-1067. Let's get out to CJ, who is in Alexandria. CJ, what's going on? What's going on, Toby? How you doing? Doing great, man. How about you? Doing pretty good. Um, so I actually listening to you uh, after I called in, I'm kind of rethought a little bit. And honestly, I think this hurts us. Uh, you know, we, we've only got 44 players signed right now. And so those teams with, you know, a lot larger amount number of, of players already locked in at the lower cap space. Now we've got all these new players or the players who are looking to get new deals thinking, okay, you know, I was looking for $9 million, now I want $10 million. And we have to fill a lot more slots than a lot of the other, uh, other teams out there. Yeah, so I think the way that it hurts is I think it's going to take some of the top-tier talent away because I think – other teams are, you know what, maybe we can restructure, maybe we can do this, there's a little more room than we thought, and we're going to find a way to get it done. Because, I mean, think about if you're a team that was sitting there where you were tight for cash, and now you learn you've got an extra, say, $10 million if you were projecting the cap to be at 245 You've got an extra $10 million, and say you're trying to re-sign a guy that needs about $15 million. Oh, maybe I restructure a guy here, maybe I do this, maybe this player that isn't as consequential, I cut him, and all of a sudden... I'm at $15 million and I keep him. So I think that's something where you look at Sneed, you look at T. Higgins, you look at these guys, I think they could be kept off the market. But the reason I'm not all that worried is the Brian Burns, the Josh Allen, the the guys that I just mentioned, I don't know that they were coming to Washington anyways. It might drive the price up slightly for Washington. So say a Bryce Huff is available and they're interested. Say he was going to go for $17, $18 Now they have to pay $19, I mean, I don't know that that's that big of a deal for Washington. But at the same point, they are probably going to maybe have to pay a little bit more for some of the guys they want. Yeah, I mean, that. but, you know, we have the least number of people already locked in 
uh, in comparison to some other teams. So we're going to be paying a, pr- a higher price point on all the new uh, free agent signings we get. See, I don't know that it makes a difference on the guys that are in that middle level anyways. I think this makes a difference for the top-level talent. But if you want to say, sign a guy like a Dorrance Armstrong, does it make a huge difference that the cap went way no. up? Uh, you want to sign a guy, I'm, I'm going to talk about some of these guys coming up here at 8 o'clock and some guys I would target in free agency, but Tyler Biotish or Connor Williams at center or something like that. Is it really going to change their number? I don't know that it does. But, I mean, yeah. there, there's a clear advantage still, whether the whole league has a little bit more cash or not. Washington has the most cap space in the NFL. So I still think that they have an advantage. Maybe it's been neutralized a little bit, but I don't know that uh, some people are probably going to come out and say, oh, they're they're severely hurt by it. I don't think they're severely hurt by it. Maybe a little bit, but not a lot. So my, my only other question is this is, uh, so with this big bump, like, you know, extra $30 million, are players going to wonder whether that's going to happen again next season and hold out and look for sure. how much how much more Castle is going to be available in the uh, 25 season? Yeah, CJ, I appreciate the phone call. I'll answer your question here. I think it's interesting because uh, let me find the tweet when Ian Rappaport tweeted this out because he kind of explained why it was such a big bump. And I, I don't think you can expect 30-year bumps after year after year after year. Right, I think that this is kind of a one-off 30-year bump, and then it's going to go back more to your regularly scheduled programming. Right, It's going to go more back to the $15 million, maybe a $20 million. Maybe it goes up 30 again, but I kind of doubt it. It seems like a one-off type of thing. So here's just the report from Ian Rappaport when he tweeted it out. Salary cap news. The NFL announced that the 2024 salary cap is going to be 255.4 per club. The unprecedented $30 million increase per club in this year's salary cap is the result of the full repayment of all amounts advanced by the clubs and deferred by the players during the COVID pandemic, as well as an extraordinary increase in media revenue for the 2024 season. So here's the reason I don't know that it's going to be a regular recurring thing to see $30 million year after year after year increase in the salary cap. The COVID stuff, they're finally seeing some repayments, different things from the COVID stuff. I don't know that you're going to see that again. Like, that's probably it. That's probably done. That all shows up in one year. You get a big boon, and then next year it's back to the regular bit. But you look at the last part here. It says extraordinary increase in media revenue for the 2024 season. Next year, you know, they had a game in Germany, so that kind of market has grown. They're having games all over the place. I forget, they're having a game in Spain next year. Maybe that's kind of helping with some of the media. Maybe it's just more people are watching than ever. I don't know exactly what it is. You know, the the NFL is obviously continuing to grow and become bigger and bigger and bigger. But if this is something where the media revenue keeps growing, I don't know that you see a $30 million increase. But if teams were expecting it to only be 240, 245, that means they were expecting only a, a 10 to $15 million increase, somewhere around there. And they got a much larger increase. So I'm interested to see. Maybe this is something that happens a little bit more often, but I don't know that it necessarily affects a singular player's want for a bigger contract. Now, players that are up for a contract might get a few million dollars more. I don't know that if I'm a player, I'm holding out because now I saw the salary cap go up, and instead of my $18 million salary, I'm owed, I want 20. I don't think they're going to do that, but I think if you're that player, you're looking ahead to free agency saying, 
I'm definitely going there. I'm not re-signing with the team unless they bump up that pay a little bit. I, I don't know that it necessarily affects a holdout, though. 800-636-1067. You want to hop out, hop on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. I'm going to give you my mock offseason. I did a, a mock draft on Pro Football Focus. I'll give you some of the results on that. I went through and looked at some of the free agents that I'd be interested in, as well as players that I'd resign. Just some of the names that I'm looking at to kind of get the wheels turning. If you want to do the same, feel free to call in 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. The salary cap is at 255.4. Big bump up than people were expecting. What should the commanders do with it? We'll talk about it next here on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.